When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to our weekend slash Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today we are going to draft Browns position groups. Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, Scott Patsko, and I draft 12 Browns position groups in order to rank them. Now before that, we get into uh, what Mary Kay reported on Friday about Deshaun Watson and the Browns not looking to uh, get out of his contract, avoid the trade with the Texans, anything like that. So we spend the first 10 minutes on that and then we get into our Browns position draft. Now, uh, if you're not a football insider subscriber, you got to get signed up. Minicamp is coming. Training camp is coming. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. You get access to exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns. And, of course, you can become one of our text subscribers. So, again, it's Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Okay, here we go. Our latest edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We are going to draft positions, but before we do that, let's spend a little time on a story. We're recording this on Friday that Mary Kay uh, just put up right before we started recording. Uh, and the story, Mary Kay, has to do with Deshaun Watson's contract, uh, sort of where the Browns are with that after new information has come out. As you wrote in your headline, the Browns are still all in on Deshaun Watson and not looking to void his 200 $30 million contract or the trade with the Texans who of course have been added or will be added to the lawsuit. Um, you also mentioned in your story that they've reiterated that with Rusty Harden, who is Deshaun Watson's attorney. Um, so I, I guess Mary Kay, as you did your reporting on this and, and you worked through this, is this sort of what you expected to find or, or did you think maybe the Browns would have been wavering a little bit? No, I, I guess I didn't really think that they would be wavering at this point, uh, but I was diving into, uh, you know, everybody's been talking about the contract lately. Uh, as we know, we've all seen that, you know, Mike Florio posted, you know, some of the different ways or reasons why you could void the contract. Uh, so everybody wants to know right now, are the Browns going to try to get out of this with everything that has happened? And when you go back, you know, three or four weeks, you know, there's the HBO special, there's the two new suits, there's the Texans getting added, there's the New York Times story, it just seems like there's one thing after another, and where does this leave the Browns? So uh, in my reporting, uh, I, I really wasn't sure that I would be able to get a definitive answer on the fact that they are 100% still all in, and not wavering in their support of him in any way. Uh, but lo and behold, uh, that's what I was able to get. And uh, as you mentioned, I, I did, I received a text response this morning from Deshaun's lawyer, Rusty Harden. And he said, that's been articulated to them that, uh, that the Browns are all in and that they still 100% believe in him and nothing has changed uh, at this point. Now, as we go along, uh, I think the only way that that could change is if some uh, criminal charges uh, happen that would cause him 
to not be able to fulfill his duties with the Browns. Uh, but as of right now, even though that 24th suit they, that Rusty Harden didn't seem to know or did not know the name of the accuser ahead of time, uh, none of that has, has changed how the Cleveland Browns feel right now about Deshaun Watson. Scott, uh, you know, it, it does feel obviously look, there's a suspension coming, but one of the things I kind of keep reminding myself about it is like, this is a five-year contract. They didn't sign up for just one year. So like, even if he ends up getting suspended a year, certainly that would, yeah, yeah I don't think they necessarily expect that extreme of a suspension, but I do think there is a perspective here to remember, like they signed him to a five-year fully guaranteed contract. This isn't just a, a 20 22 moves. So I'm, I'm sure they're also thinking like big picture with all of this stuff. And as long as nothing criminal comes along or something completely unexpected, they're probably going to stick by this. Yeah. I mean, the Browns, just like every other team that, uh, that pursued Deshaun Watson, they did it because he's not going to jail. Um, and if you do that, you're, you're telling yourself, okay, we're going to just kind of work through all of this and you have to kind of just endure more people coming forward. You have to endure more accusations, uh, more lawsuits, and probably keep focused on the fact that, yeah, it might not happen this year, but at some point he's going to be your quarterback as long as he's going to go to jail. So I don't think anything new that's come out would change that for them. I think it's easy to kind of conflate uh, the Texans being pulled into this uh, through the New York Times story as uh, there being something new um, that they that the Browns have to deal with, but really it's not. It's 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 the same as it ever was. It's it's specifically Deshaun Watson and what did he do? That, at least that's how the Browns have to look at this. And again, I think it, they would have been naive to think that there wouldn't be more people coming forward, especially knowing how many uh, massage therapists he used. You know, it was forty, and now we we've learned that it's it's over sixty. But either one is a lot more than obviously twenty two. So there was a lot of room there more people to come forward and say hey i'm i want to be part of this too so you know i i it makes sense to me that they wouldn't be wavering that they would say okay we're, we're still we're still going forward and you know if he doesn't play this year at all you're right he's we got him for you know a lot longer than this year yeah and, and ashley i mean look it's, it's this is where it's important to remember the timing of all this and you know the the courting of deshaun watson happened after the first grand jury the second grand jury of course happened after the trade but um the browns you know, we're aware of that grand jury. So, I mean, it really does kind of come down to if it's just going to be more of the same as much, you know, as disturbing as some of those allegations might be, if it's just going to be more of the same in the civil sphere. I mean, the Browns kind of probably expected this. Yeah. And think about if we go back to March, early March, when uh, that first grand jury kind of wrapped up, that was when we saw the market for him really just explode where it wasn't just the Browns, you know, he met with four teams uh, and all those teams were really in earnest trying to get a deal done. Like that was what was, um, you know, I think stopping the market at the time. And then it was like kind of like fair game after that, after that was wrapped up. Um, but yeah, Danny, you know, I think you wrote in your column the other night that they, they knew these PR hits were coming, but they also know that, a player with the talent that Deshaun Watson has on the field, they, those players don't become available very often and they don't become available in a way that it's likely that you're going to be able to actually sign them and, and convince them to want to come here if they're free agents. So this was, I think, just they they expected this. They expected these PR hits and, and more th information, I guess, to, to come out. And 
on some level, they have to, you know, be okay with that because the football aspect of things, they know how rare it is for a guy like him at quarterback to actually be available. So Mary Kay, I want to ask you about one other thing, and, and that is the trade, um, because you did mention the, um, you, you, you used the phrase void, um, void the trade with the Texans, um, which would be a pretty complicated thing to have happen, um, in, in part because the Texans have already used some of those draft picks that, that they acquired in that trade. Um, I guess what would it ultimately take for the league to go to that extreme? I could, I could see a world where they would say to the Texans, Hey, you guys, you know, we're suspending Deshaun Watson and we're going to take away some draft picks, but those draft picks would just kind of poof, disappear into wherever they go. They wouldn't come back to Cleveland necessarily. It, what would the scenario be where the league would maybe consider going to the extreme avoiding a trade? Well, you know, I, I do think that, um, you know, the, the league should investigate and look into these allegations that the Houston Texans had something possibly to do with facilitating uh, anything that may have been going on uh, allegedly with, with Deshaun Watson. I think it's definitely worth looking into. I don't think they're going to get anywhere with it. I don't think that, I mean, even Deshaun has said he doesn't think that the Texans knew that he was setting up appointments at the Houstonian hotel. Um, now it is interesting that they did supply him with a non-disclosure agreement to have the massage therapists sign. Uh, so there are things that I think should be looked into, but I don't think it's anything that would rise to the level of uh, being able to get out of that trade or being able to get those draft picks back um, or to get future draft picks because of that or whatever. I, I don't, I don't really see that happening. I think it'd be very difficult to prove that they knew that these things were going on. Um, there's still so much he said, she said, there's no criminal indictments, there's no charges. But that brings me very quickly to, I wanted to mention the, um, the indictment piece of it. Um, you know, one of the reasons why people are speculating about whether or not the Browns might be second guessing this whole thing is, uh, I think the fact that everybody jumped in after we just mentioned that uh, the first grand jury uh, returned nine no bills on nine uh, criminal complaints that he was not indicted on any of those. And that's when everybody jumped in and uh, started the, uh, the whole Deshaun sweepstakes. But in the New York Times article, you see Jenny Barentis really outlining and detailing how, you know, Rusty worked the system pretty well and made certain uh, it seems that, uh, that it would be very, very difficult or, you know, not, uh, unattractive to try to actually get an indictment or try to have this thing uh, be prosecuted. So, um, so I, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why everybody's wondering about this because so much was built up on the fact that, you know, that seemed like a not guilty situation. And, you know, that, that has, a, you know, maybe a little bit of a different spin on it now, but certainly not anything, um, you know, that's, that's going to change how, how anybody is viewing this at this point. Uh, let's take a break. This is covering the Browns in 2022. We uh, just <laughs> talked to Sean Watson. Let's take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to do a draft of uh, Browns positions as they stand right now. So we'll do that here on the other side. 
I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So again, if you want to go read that story that we were talking about in the first half, clinton.com slash Browns, you can find it there uh, from Mary Kay. All right, position draft time. Uh, as we head into mini camp, uh, we've gotten to see some of these positions in action in OTAs. Uh, so generally the way I looked at this was we're going to draft these positions based mostly on the people we think are going to play. Um, depth is certainly part of it, I think, for some of these positions as well. I also figured, like, just for the sake of making it interesting, let's just assume Deshaun Watson is the starting quarterback. There, you know, we're not going to factor in uh, necessarily that uh, a suspension that could be coming. So this doesn't necessarily have to be like week one. Uh, so at, at each of these positions, just to give an example, uh, interior O line, um, we're not going to really get into you know, how does Blake Hance affect how we're drafting uh, the interior of the offensive line? Uh, so our draft order, Ashley will go first, Mary Kay second, Scott will go third, I will go fourth. We'll do three rounds. We've got this divided into 12 positions. Uh, I separated interior O-line from tackles and I separated the DBs and also separated tackle and safety. Uh, I'm sorry, tackle and uh, or defensive tackle and edge. So Ashley, after all of that, you are on the clock uh, with oh our number gosh. one best position on the Cleveland Browns. This is always so stressful for me to have the first pick because I'm always concerned I'm going <laughs> to pick wrong. And we were talking beforehand. We think there's a couple ways you can go with this first pick. Um, and I've been sitting here thinking about it. And I think I am going to go ahead and take the corners at number one. Um, Dan made a face, so I'm a little concerned now, but uh, I'll tell you why. I, it's a premium position. Obviously, I think we talked about how good this defense is. I think Denzel Ward's coming off a career year. I think Greg Newsom is uh, kind of in a place to take a big second year jump. I think he can excel in that slot role for them when they need him to. Uh, and they have Greedy Williams, you know, who's going to get a lot of time. Martin Emerson, if he gets on the field, like his length so far from what we've seen from him. Uh, so overall, I think there's some depth there. And the guys who are your one and two in theory are both really good. So uh, I'm going to go with them. And, and on top of it, like I said, this positional value here, uh, I think it matters to the Browns. We've seen how important good corners are, especially with the way offenses uh, are going across the league. So I'm going to take them number one. I, I did make I did make a face, but not because I think it's a bad pick. I wouldn't okay. have they weren't my number one position. They they're high up on my position list. Just just say it, Dan. She picked wrong. Just say I mean, it. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, I do. Look, you did you took them too high. You reached here. Rude. You reached Rude. here. They're a first round pick, but I don't know if they're a number one overall pick. This is why I didn't want the number one pick. I had three groups I could have made a justification for, and you're telling me I still picked wrong. Mm-hmm. I you should have traded picks with me then. Scott, They're why contender. is Ashley wrong? <laughs> uh, well, I won't tell you who uh, who is first uh, on my list, but I did have them in like this first group, I guess, of of positions that uh, were contenders. I guess. Um, I mean, your Denzel Ward obviously um, is you know headlines. I, I looked, I went through PFFs. They're doing a lot of positional rankings. They use their grades, um, do some projecting, but their grades to kind of figure this out. Um, Denzel was tenth among outside cornerbacks. Uh, he was in a tier called on the cusp of elite. And I know we throw around the elite word a lot with him, but um, I mean, you look at some of the guys who are above him, and I guess it kind of makes sense. Newsom 27th. So uh, I think depth is the real key to this position group. Um, we, we're not yet sure how 
how it's all going to work this season with maybe, you know, someone like Newsom taking on a new role. Um, we brought up the idea of Denzel Ward maybe moving around a little bit on our last pod. Um, you know, is he going to be pressed into play and, and, and perform as well? Um, Greedy Williams has some backing up to do on, on last season's great performance. So um, I think it's a good, it's definitely a top five. Um, I don't, I didn't have him at the top, but it's, you know, it's not a totally wrong pick. It's just not the pick I would have made. I don't think it's the pick that that seemed obvious to me. That's all I'm saying. Everybody's being so nice. Um, yeah, I, I had them. I'm just going to say sort of like top four ish, but higher than I w- would have taken them. But yeah, just because I still think that, you know, Greg really needs to step it up a little bit. I think one thing that and, and so does Denzel. Um, the thing that these guys haven't done yet that they really need to do is get some interceptions. You have to get some interceptions as, as a DB group, especially as the cornerback group. Um, so that's what they, they need to start doing. And, uh, you know, once they, once they combine for 10 interceptions back there, that's a lot, I know, but you know, maybe eight, even eight, um, seven, I'll That's take good. six. I mean, among, the number keeps among dropping. five guys, <laughs> 10, 10 makes sense. Yeah. So, anyways, they need to add that into their rep- repertoire. And once they do, they'll get up into Ashley territory. I was just going to say, I guess I'm very optimistic on them. And, and again, I think I just, I considered maybe positional value a little bit higher here um, than, but I don't know. I, like I said, I had like, four groups too that I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I could just, if I take any of these, this is why I didn't want the number one pick, but I'm going to have to stand <laughs> by it just because at this point I'm, I'm going to be bullish on it. This does. I mean, we always kind of get this every year from some of these guys are like, well, you know, we want to be the best defense in football. We want to be the best defensive backfield in football. This defensive backfield has a chance. I mean, they have a chance to be that, or at least a top two or three, defensive backfield overall and the corners are a big part of that the only thing that gives me pause is we just haven't seen you know we've seen Newsom play inside in games we've seen him do that Um, but we just haven't seen it for an extended period and and so I'm just a little unsure about that position overall but I also have no reason to think that the guys they have in the building can't can't handle that spot whether it's Newsom or Ward or Emerson or one of the safeties um, who, of course, are, are a separate discussion in, in all of this. Uh, this is a really, this is a really good group, and I think it's going to speak to the groups that maybe get taken in the next set. How good those position groups are as well. Um, that that the rest of us maybe had uh, corners ranked a little lower. So, Mary Kay, you're up. Well, you guys can 100% guess where I'm going with this. Um, I am going to take quarterbacks. Uh, it, you know, it's the utmost premium position. And I think Deshaun is one of the best in the game at, at his position. And as long as he's still on the table in terms of purposes of this draft, uh, I think that, you know, obviously it's the most important position on the team and they went out and sold the farm and to get him. And he could make the difference once he gets on the field. Uh, between getting to the Super Bowl or not over the next five, six, seven years. And, uh, and I just think that's why we're, why they're in the, the pickle that they're in right now and why they are uh, the most controversial team in the, in the NFL at the moment. 
uh, it's all because of this guy right here, Deshaun Watson. So I've got him here at number two. So I, so I have the next pick and before I make it, I know we're going to talk about the quarterbacks here, but I just want to make sure that like, I've heard uh, positional value come up a few times here. Uh, <laughs> I thought this was like, are we ranking based on how good this position group is overall uh, compared to the Brown on the Browns roster? Correct. Yeah. I didn't have quarterbacks on the top five. Oh, interesting. You did not. I did not you want to talk about wrong. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, I did have him in the top five. Oh, okay. Barely. I was, was going to say not in the top five. <laughs> barely. Oh, barely. Okay. You barely have Deshaun Watson in the top five. Barely. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> and you're telling Ashley she's wrong. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Okay. I, I mean, the reason we've, I mean, the reason we've had all these Deshaun Watson discussions this week about the off the field stuff is because the Browns obviously view him as a player who's worth all of that. Uh, worth three first round picks worth 230 million dollars worth dealing with a new york times story coming out the day before we're all going to be out there and poor kevin stefanski i you know what i shouldn't say poor kevin stefanski kevin stefanski answering questions about it every single press conference um is because he's got the potential to be that good so I didn't have him at the top of my list, but I did kind of wrestle with it. I thought about just throwing him up there. Um, there were two other position groups I had ahead of him just as a whole. Um, but I, you can make a case that just that quarterback just based on Watson alone should have been the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's Absolutely. what was interesting in like trying to figure out how to do these rankings. Like we did say the caveat that let's just assume we're talking about Deshaun Watson being right. available. Like that was part of this. Um, and I did have them still in this top group, but again, I think, I know we said like, you know, you don't want to get too much into depth, but depth was like an issue. It's like, how much does Deshaun Watson make up for that? Like if you're looking at Deshaun Watson versus then Jacoby Brissett as your backup, um, I wasn't quite sure. I struggled with how high exactly to put them, but like Dan said, I mean, they're going through all of this because of the talent that Deshaun Watson has. So they're certainly, I think, warranted of being in, in the first group, especially again, with that positional value there. I mean, if this were 2021 and Deshaun Watson was getting ready to play for the Browns coming off his 2020 season, then I probably would have had him a lot higher. Um, I did factor that in the fact that he hasn't been out there. Uh, he wasn't out there last season. I do like the fact that they have quarterbacks that are uh, similar in size and ability um, guys who are athletic. I think uh, that's great for depth and just continuity from going one guy to the next. Um, but yeah, neither of the groups picked so far were in my top three. <laughs> All right. So, so now Scott, you get, you get the top of your board. Take it away with pick number three. Running back. Running back is the best position group on the Browns, period. Like Nick Chubb's probably the best running back in the league. You always hear the term best pure runner, which I think is code for, you know, he doesn't catch a lot of passes. But um, you also have Kareem Hunt, who was, in fact, one of the best in the league at catching passes out of the backfield last season before he got hurt. You got Ernest Johnson, who is just, you know, this amazing throw him in for two games and he gives you the best stats of anybody all year. I think he had the highest PFF rushing grade uh, of any running back last year. Um, Further down, you have Demetric Felton, who obviously is pretty versatile. So you have a nice cross-reference there of guys who do different things. Uh, You have one of the best in the league at the top of that, really two of the best in the league at the top of that, uh, and then plenty of depth. So to me, running backs seem like, uh, like an obvious choice. I did waver between them and another position group, but ultimately I think running back, for me at least, was an easy choice. 
Scott, I actually wonder if our top two is the same. I, I had running, I had running back one, um, you know, for the reasons you said. Um, Dearness Johnson was a part of that because I do think even though he's your third back, he's a guy that I think you have to factor in as a guy that, that could play. So he, he's a piece of that. I just want to say, I'm, I'm going to sound like a fan here, but I'm, I'm tired of people kind of forgetting about Nick Chubb. Every, like every list I see of like running backs in the NFL, it's like Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey. I think Nick Chubb's the best runner in football. I, I absolutely believe that. And we haven't seen him as a pass catcher a ton. I think he's developed as a pass catcher. I think he's the best runner in football. I don't think there's a better, if, if I were picking somebody that I was just going to bring in and hand the ball off to 25 times a game, as great as Jonathan Taylor was last year, basically doing that, I I would choose Nick Chubb. So there we go. There's my Nick Chubb soapbox. <laughs> yeah, this was my who I had at number two. So Scott, you can yell at me all you want, I guess, for, for not taking it. But <laughs> hey, you got them now. So so that's all good. I think really, like I said, I'm, I just wanted to go with this defense first. Um, but yeah, you can I, like, truly, I don't know that I really had a true number one pick, like, cause this is a good pick. This, I would have been happy to take them number one as well. Um, but the depth overall, and I think you saw all of those guys, you've seen all of those guys perform, you know, including Dernis Johnson, who, who really stepped up when, when injuries kind of got the best of that room last year, especially later on in the season. Um, so overall, I just think the depth they have here is really good, even though across the league, it's a position that is, you know, not deemed to have that positional value. Uh, this is a spot right where I had running backs, and uh, I think it's a good spot for them. I, you know, they are, Nick is certainly one of the top three running backs in the NFL. Uh, and as you mentioned, Dan, somewhat underrated because probably he's so quiet doesn't put himself out there very much, doesn't, doesn't talk a whole lot, not flashy, doesn't really celebrate touchdowns. And, um, and the Browns haven't had very many good years over the past during his career. So that hasn't helped him. He's not on um, national television all the time with them. So he, you know, he just doesn't get the run that he should, but, um, but yeah, this is a, definitely a good spot for him. He has his own cereal. I mean, what, what, yeah. what does he need? Absolutely. I've I've got to go back and watch it. That that Green Bay game was on, honestly like one of the best games I've seen Nick Chubb play. And there's been some good ones, um, but that that Green Green Bay game. Uh, I'm looking at it now. 17 carries, 126 yards, 7.41 yards per carry. And if I'm not mistaken, he's never averaged for a season under five. Yeah, he's never right. averaged under five yards a carry. His lowest total was ironically in 2019 when he had his best year uh, total-wise, five yards a carry. That was his lowest uh, yards per carry average. So, again, this is now a a full-on just Nick Chubb podcast. So, (laughs) there we go. Uh, My pick is Nick Chubb adjacent, I guess. Uh, I'm going with the interior offensive line. Now, there is one thing that makes this iffy because I didn't just make it guards. And made it interior offensive line. So that includes Nick Harris, who we just don't know about because we haven't seen it a whole lot. But I think Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller are that good. Um, I think they're actually going to help Nick Harris be just fine at center or if it's Ethan Pochich, whoever it is, uh, most likely Harris. I think they're going to be a big reason why he's successful and why he can be successful. Uh, Batonio, potential Hall of Famer. Wyatt Teller, I thought, 
improved where he needed to improve last year and got better off, off of that first year when we really saw him play a lot. Uh, so I'm going interior offensive line here. Uh, they were my number two on the board. Um, not the sexiest position. I had another one that I was thinking about, but I can't pass up uh, Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller. Yeah, you're, you're right. This was my top two running back interior <laughs> offensive line. So we, we had the same, I think, I mean, like we don't know what, what Harris is going to be, uh, but you got two of the best guards in the league flanking him. Teller's still one of the best run uh, blockers in the league. Um, you get whatever you're going to get with him as a, as a pass protector, but that's really not why he's on your team. So yeah, those two guys help make Chubb and Hunt and all those other guys look so good. So I, it's good that they're, that's kind of why I had him at the top here. And I think, again, if you're looking at a position group, you're looking at how good are the guys at the top end compared to other people at their position. And I mean, Batonio's elite teller is elite as a run blocker. So put them together. That's a pretty good position group. Yeah. I was going to say both of these guys, you look at their PFF grades. They're both, they were both in the top five in offensive grade last year. Joel was number one uh, in the league and then run blocking same Joel led that position group across the league and why it was number four. So uh, when you look at what this offense has done and and where those key pieces are, like you said, in the running back room, uh, you really do have two of the best guards in the league. It doesn't get much better than that. And that's why they chose to extend them one after the other, the way they did. Now they just have to hope that, (laughs) (laughs) that their center is, is good. But I mean, they're excited about Nick Harris. They, they are really, really excited about, uh, what, you know, how he's looked so far in OTAs and we'll get a little bit better of a feel for that, hopefully during mini camp, although mini camp, you know, we've come to find out there, you know, it's not going to be the practices we thought they were going to be. I, th- I think when they go down to the stadium uh, for the last practice of the week, it's almost going to have a walkthrough vibe to it. Like, here's your new digs. Here's your stadium. Here's what it feels like uh, to be here. I don't know that we're going to see a ton of reps there, but, um, and then they're of course doing a half an hour practice the day before that in Canton. Um, but they, they really do like Nick Harris and are excited about him as the, re- as the replacement for JC Treader, but certainly uh, Joel and Wyatt deserve this lofty status. So that's a good pick here. Okay. My top four, that was, uh, I had running back interior line quarterback and cornerback. So the first round didn't go quite in the order I thought it would, but, uh, I'm, I'm really happy with my board here. It's, uh, it's falling in line with consensus. Ashley, let's see if you break that with your Probably. next pick. The way this, uh, this trend is going here. Um, well, I still did, did have this position group, uh, in my top five. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the edge guys mainly because, the Browns still have Miles Garrett. And we've talked about, I think Miles can still up the ante with his game. I think Miles and Joe Woods both think that up his consistency and a big part of that, which we've heard from Miles talking about uh, already this offseason is, is staying healthy and kind of avoiding those nagging injuries. And uh, obviously last year he had to play out the end of the year with that groin injury and you saw his sack numbers dwindle. Uh, He didn't get as many takeaways. I think another area he can really improve on and he's already very, very formidable. But when you're talking about reaching the status he wants to reach, um, I think those are some of the things that that are going to help him do that. And then obviously they get Jadavian Clowney back, uh, who I think is going to have to build on last year. You know, last year was kind of the career resurgence year for him. So I think now it's about proving that he can kind of have another one of those and, and stay healthy. And um, I do think that when you're talking about the depth of the unit, 
you know, they're obviously not going to have Tack McKinley uh, after that Achilles injury he suffered. So uh, I'm curious to see what Chase Winovich's role looks like with this group. Um, obviously, I think they really like Alex Wright, even though he's more developmental. Uh, but when you're starting things off with Miles Garrett, there's a lot of teams across the league that would kill to have that. So I think a lot of, a lot of teams, this position group would be potentially a lot higher. Um, but I think they're good to kick off this second round with here. I think this is nuts. I, I mean, I, I think, <laughs> no, Okay. I had, I had them at number two. I mean, Miles Garrett is one of the best defensive ends in the game. He is potentially a future hall of famer. Um, and I, I think the fact that we let them drop here to number five, I don't know. I mean, like Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney together, uh, you know, hey, two- I, didn't, I didn't let him drop. Don't, don't roll me into this. <laughs> I know. But, but you didn't group, have him in your top two. As a group. I did not. It's fair. <laughs> I had as him a, third, though. Yeah. Yeah, I had them. Uh, I had I went quarterback defensive end. I, I just think that uh, Miles and Jadavian together, even if there was nobody else, uh, as we heard Miles say, they're two of the that's one of the best pass rush duos in the NFL. So I um I think we I think we ended up with these guys way too low, especially when you're talking about uh, one of the best edge rushers in in all of football right now. What I'm hearing is I got a great value pick in the second round. No one's allowed to bully me ever again. It's not your fault. It's all of our fault. It's all of our fault. This was a great pick. Um, But it was a great victory lap. We went too low. But let me ask this though. Okay, we we probably did go too low. They probably should have been higher, considering Miles Garrett and Davion Clowney. But that being said, it is kind of hard to argue. Like the positions we picked ahead of them are pretty good. Like I, I don't think there was a crazy pick necessarily where it's like, oh my god, you can't take them over the edge rushers. I do think that speaks to there's like legit five or six really good, just solid positions on this team. Yes, you're you're right about that. But and, and I'm just going to have to ask Miles Garrett about this tomorrow. I'm going to tell him what happened, and uh, you know that he slid to number five in the position group when I see him at the youth football camp <laughs> tomorrow or today. If you guys are maybe I don't know when you're listening just, to this, but, um, but are, I don't are, think he's going to be very happy about this at all. And are are I, you going to mention? Are you going to mention that you passed on him? Yeah, mention well, at I least put, mention that I. Took but I put quarterback first. <laughs> I think he would understand. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, no, I wasn't going to mention that. I'm a little concerned that maybe the full story won't yeah. be presented here. <laughs> Tell him uh, the rest of his teammates on the line are what dragged yeah. him down. I, I wasn't going to mention that. I was going to mention that you guys went running back and interior O line ahead of yeah. him is what I was going to do, and I was going to tell him who did that and cornerback. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I wasn't going to mention mine, but if, if you think I should, I will. <laughs> I mean, I, like I said, I had him third behind running back and interior line, and then I had corners behind edge and then quarterback. That was my top five, but I put edge third because really to me, it's two guys. Depth isn't as big a deal to me here because ideally your top two guys are going to play 70, 75% of the snaps. And Garrett, defensive player of the year candidate, Clowney, still trying to get back to what he was in Houston, but, um, you know, I think there was enough there last year to, to be optimistic and, uh, excited about what the edge position could be like for the Browns. I think like the gap between Garrett and Clowney, I, there isn't as, 
I don't think there's like if you just go overall game like Batonio and Teller, I don't think that gap is there as big. And, and Chubb and Hunt, I don't think that gap is there there is as big, uh, at least among the top guys. Now Batonio, I think obviously much better pass blocker than Teller, but and overall, I just think Cl- uh, Garrett, you know, Clowney is not in the defensive player of the year conversation anymore. Um, he's on the trying to rekindle, you know, the early stage of his career phase and whatever they get out of him this year. Great. But I think paired with Garrett, they're the third best position group. All right. Raise your hand. If you think that we, as a group, all of us together have the defensive ends too low on our list and nobody can see who's raising our hands. So I, we'll tell you. I actually think we do. Like on the, <laughs> wait on this list person or like our personal. Wait, so so I gotta own these rankings as mine. <laughs> That's true. I mean, this isn't in. Yeah, like, I do you think know. fifth is is low. Fifth is low. Okay. I, we I all, actually I, we I probably it. should have taken edge over interior O line. I was getting um, all my talking but... points ready for Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller because I thought that's what you were gonna do. And then I would I'm just kind of skirt away with the interior line, and then you surprised me. So I'm just a sucker. Oh, I'm a it, sucker though. for those guards, man. <laughs> no, the interior <laughs> offensive line is it needs to be high. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. Maybe we all raised our hands because Mary Kay threatened us. With, uh, <laughs> that could change. be it. That could be it. <laughs> all right. So Mary Kay, now you are up uh, with the sixth pick. Well, now this is going to be your chance all of you to Uh yell at me for the pick that I'm going to make. You probably won't like it, Um, but I'm going to go with wide receivers here, even though there's really only one wide receiver in the bunch that has ever made a pro bowl or has ever had a big season. But I think that's meaningful. I think Amari Cooper, the fact that he's made four pro bowls and the fact that he is one of the best in the business at his position uh, puts him, puts this group right here next And I think the fact that he is, uh, from what I can see right now, I think I would say he's the best route runner in the NFL. If not the best, he's like in the top two or three. Uh, So he's amazing at what he does. And uh, again, the rest of the group still has to prove themselves. uh, But I think that this is the spot to, uh, to put receivers next. I did not have them anywhere near this spot. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, there were there were six position groups that I ranked pretty easily, and then wide receivers just in a little jumble here. The the the, the one at the bottom, the position group at the bottom, was very easy for me. But there's like five that I'm like, eh, I don't know. Um, they all have a lot of issues. Um, they have some good players in there. Amari Cooper is really good. I don't know if he's good enough to pull up the rest of this wide receiver unproven wide receiver group to a top six ranking, at least not on mine. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I I couldn't put him this high and a a big piece of it is there's other position groups where I know, like I know what I'm getting from the top three guys or top two guys at this position group. And I just don't, there is a, we actually should do this at the end of the season and compare like, okay, where do we have the receivers, you know, at the end of the year compared to now. Uh, But just beyond Amari Cooper, he just wasn't enough to kind of lift the entire group for me, just because I still don't a hundred percent know what people's Jones is, is the number two. David Bell's a rookie. Anthony Schwartz is still really unknown. I mean, are we throwing Demetric Felton into this mix? I just, I don't, I don't see it with him as, as a receiver. Um, Jakeem Grant, 
you know, I've got, I've got Michael Woods on here. We haven't even seen him practice yet uh, on my, on my list of receivers to Marcus Bradley. I just, there's too much unknown here for me to just put this group this high based on Amari Cooper alone. So I still had the receivers in like my second round. I did have them at eight on my list. Um, but who am I to tell Mary Kay that she is wrong? First of all, I have a feeling when we revisit this draft in like February, Mary Kay got the quarterbacks and the wide receivers. And I have a feeling she's going to be able to do victory laps around all of us. Um, so that's the caveat here. But the reason I did have them slightly lower is, is basically what you guys were saying, right? Like this is kind of pinging on Amari Cooper. And after that, I think there are a lot of questions, even though for as much as, you know, I, I think Donovan Peoples Jones can step into a bigger role. I think there is still kind of like a question mark around him but it is again kind of about like what what I was talking about with the quarterbacks like how much do you weigh Deshaun Watson versus everyone else and how much do you weigh Amari Cooper versus everyone else where I think depth is, is a little bit more of an issue when you're talking about a receiver room in general so um yeah I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dunk on you Mary Kay I do not have <laughs> a big enough ego to do that. <laughs> that that was that was nice of you I appreciate that because I have been a little feisty today I will admit but <laughs> But when you look around the league, uh, quite often there is one marquee receiver that sort of stands out. So, you know, you look around and there's, you know, there's Cooper, Cooper Cup or there's Devontae Adams or there's Stefan Diggs and or there's uh, Tyreek Hill. And that one guy can can make that receiving core. You know, sometimes we don't even know who the number two is. We can hardly name that guy. Um, so. I, I think that the fact that uh, he plays every single game, he never, he never misses. I just jinxed him, but he's a, <laughs> you know, he's a, an Iron Man warrior type of, of player and he's so solid and consistent and pretty much always has a 1000 yard season. And the fact that he's a four-time pro bowler, um, I, I don't, I don't see what other position you could put ahead of them. I, just, I will say if like, if you're looking at the best version of everybody, then then you can make an argument for putting them much higher than I had them. Um, we haven't seen Amari Cooper in this offense yet, which is part of the reasons why I'm not sure. I mean, he's excelled in multiple teams, multiple quarterbacks, but he isn't coming off exactly his best year. Um, People's Jones, the best version of him is awesome, right? I mean, he, you know, racking up first downs, making key catches, touchdowns, explosive plays, you know, um, but beyond that, you know, you have a rookie and you have Anthony Schwartz who caught 10 passes last year. Um, so it's just, you know, you're really tying a lot to two guys and a lot of, uh, but if it turns out that you get the best version of them, then yeah, that's a much better position group than people are giving them credit for. If we ever do like a bold predictions pod, I guess I can't say this, Sean Watson is going to be suspended for like eight games. But if we ever do a bold predictions pod, I do think one I would throw out would be, eh, could Amari Cooper lead the NFL in receiving yards? I don't know. Stefanski's offense hasn't been super friendly to stuff like that, but um, you know, him playing with Deshaun Watson as the number one receiver, that, that would be interesting. Um, But the other, the other thing I'm thinking here is, as we go through these groups, like the first five we took before this, and then a couple groups I still have on here. Um, There's maybe one group left that I wouldn't say this about. I still feel like with the wide receivers, it feels a guy short. And I don't like, I don't feel that way about the groups we've taken so far. And there's like one or two other groups that I don't feel that way about. And so that, that's just, I still feel like there may be one guy short at, at that wide receiver group as a whole. All right. So that brings us to Scott. You are up the third pick in the second round. Uh, well, I'm going safety. This was my number six 
position group had him right below quarterbacks. Um, John Johnson, Grant Delpit, Ronnie Harrison, your top three back from last year, although we're pretty sure Delpit and Harrison, their roles are probably going to flip. Um, John Johnson's looked pretty, pretty good in OTAs for as how well as, you know, this can look. He's had a couple picks uh, in seven on sevens. Um, I mean, they're not, they're not here just learning everything. I think he even mentioned that it's kind of like fine tuning this year, you know, last year, uh, at this point, obviously you're still trying to figure out who your teammates are, but also going through training camp, took them quite a few games to kind of get up and running and then they hit their stride and that's all behind them now. So now they, you know, they're familiar with everybody. The continuity is on defense this year. Last year it was on offense. So um, for me, safety seems like one of the top, one of the top uh, position groups that the Browns are going to have this year. Yeah, it should be. They should be really good. I think that uh, as you mentioned, John Johnson, three, uh, is going to have his sea legs this year. They didn't really quite know exactly what they wanted to do with him last year. Now I think they're going to move him around a little bit more uh, and play to his strengths. And if they do it properly, uh, he could be playing at a Pro Bowl level this year. That's what should be happening. Um, so, yeah, I, and he's off to a great start. He's off to a really, really good start in these practices. Uh, I think the upside for Grant Delpit is very high. This is only going to be his second season. I mean, that's a, that was the first year that he had on the field and coming off of an Achilles. So if he's healthy, he should be much better this year. And I do think those two guys together are, are going to get their hands on um, some footballs and get some takeaways, force some fumbles and get some interceptions and recoveries. So I, I think this does have potential to be a, a very good group. John Johnson, uh, maybe the early star of uh, the offseason program, a couple interceptions when we've been out there with Deshaun Watson. That's what I'm really excited to see is, is John Johnson uh, ratcheting up the takeaways for this group. I, I had them right around here. This, this was actually the group I would have taken um, had I had a pick before now. Uh, so, yeah, I, I had them pretty high up on my list. And again, Delpit, the upside. You know, we'll see about Ronnie Harrison. I, I like them bringing him back as a guy that can maybe play your your big nickel now and again. Uh, but he did he did really take a step back last year. I, I mean, we were wondering if he could be a long term option at safety after his yeah. first year here, and and not so much after that. So so he's got he's got some work to do. But I, I like the top of this group for sure. Um, okay, so I'm going to make my pick, and you guys think you were dunking on Mary Kay. <laughs> Oh boy, you guys, you're going to have a field day with this one, (laughs) but I'm going to do it. I'm going to pull the trigger on this one and I am going to take the specialists. So that includes the punter. Uh, (sighs) Is it Bahorquez? Is that how you say it? Uh, Charlie Hewlett. Scott, I know you were probably eyeing Charlie Hewlett landing and (laughs) landing in your lap at some point. Cade York, fresh off a 60 yard field goal. At OTAs in shorts just, with no rush, but go ahead. That's, a, that's <laughs> all right. It's all right. Scott's the de- Scott's got to bring everyone back down to earth after Brown's Twitter like anointed <laughs> him the next savior of Cleveland the other day, and <laughs> and we are including in this group, and this is key, I think. At least I'm including in this group. Maybe you guys want to argue with me, but I'm including Jakeem Grant in this group, and he is a gigantic upgrade in the return game. He has shown it. Uh, this team needs somebody who can do something dynamic in the return game. And Jakeem Grant is going to do that. He's going to break that string of no kick return touchdowns uh, since Travis Benjamin did it on a punt return back when Johnny Manziel started a game 
in 2015. That's how long it has been. So I'm taking the specialists here. I'm pretty bullish on this group just based on the kicker and the returner alone. And hey, Charlie Hewlett, just for fun. And you know what, Dan? I am not going to dunk on you for for this right now. Oh, that's nice of you. (laughs) Even though I'm in a dunking mood. It's uh, it's one of those things where my husband is going to walk through the front door and I'm going to say, we're going to fight. You pick the topic. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I actually would have advocated the Browns taking Cade York at number 99 overall. So I obviously have no problem uh, with taking the specialists here. And as you mentioned, you throw in Jakeem Grant. Uh, I think he's going to be tremendous for them this year, something that they really needed. I think it's going to be a a real upgrade on special teams uh, this year, all the way around. And uh, they definitely belong right here. Yeah, Dan, I'm also not going to roast you for this pick. (laughs) I thought maybe I would get these guys with my next pick. So I I must say, I don't, I don't hate this. And, you know, when we've talked about Cade York, you know, he is going to be a rookie. So obviously you don't want to put too much pressure on him. Obviously we still have to see him kicking at the stadium in those game situations. But I think for the first time in a long time, they really have the possibility of having some consistency there, which again, they have not had since the Phil Dawson days. Um, And yeah, I think Jakeem Grant, like we talk about him, I think he is such an underrated pickup for for them he's a pro bowler and I think we people forget about him and that's a guy who I think you know has a chance to to really make a name for himself here especially because their return game has been so abysmal these last like five or six years it was it was this was the eighth pick right so this is exactly Uh, where I had them me and you Dan we're on we're in line here we are aligned uh yeah I do think uh Jakeem Grant is is a key to this the return game in general because uh, just based on NFL experience and how well he's done, he's the best returner they've had since Travis Benjamin. Um, I mean, it's been bad the last couple of years. I think uh, Peoples Jones, his punt return average was like one of the lowest of all time in franchise history when they had him back there doing it as a rookie. So they needed to do something. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, hoping Grant finally puts an end to the rotation of people they've had, you know, returning kicks over the past, uh, I don't know, decade. <laughs> Yeah, like at, least, at least the last seven years. Listen, it's bad when Mike Prefer describes the return game. And the first thing he says is, well, we caught the ball. That's, <laughs> the, the first the first step is catching the ball. That's that tells you all you need to know about the state of the return game. All right, our final round, we have four positions left. Ashley, you're up to lead us off. Well, I am just racking up the defensive position <laughs> groups today. And I'm going to take probably pretty obvious, the linebackers here. And Mary Kay, I'm so sorry. That means I get JOK. I have taken him from you. And uh, yeah, you you got him, obviously. I think he's one of the most versatile players that the Browns have. Um, It is going to be interesting to see what Jacob Phillips actually ends up being after he had that bicep injury last year. Uh, and we've seen them using him in the middle a lot with the, with the ones. So, uh, that first look from OTAs, they obviously get Anthony Walker back. Um, and those, that's like kind of the, the talkie talkie. I think a guy who, who maybe gets overlooked a little bit as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy to kind of take these guys here, given what's left, especially probably the right pick, right? I I mean, this Mm -hmm. is, about where the linebackers needed to go. And and this is sort of like that top of the group, JOK, 
that he's sort of the driving force behind why you would pick him. But there's also some knowns in here, right? You mentioned Taki Taki, Ashley. He's turned himself into a useful player. Anthony Walker, you know, he is who he is. You know, obviously Jacob Phillips has some upside. I think this is a this is a solid group with a, a potential star at the very top of it. Yeah, this is yeah, this is the upside pick for sure. I mean, I think we all expect JOK to take that big, enormous leap up in his second year. And then Jacob, I mean, I think they do have high hopes for Jacob, who's going to get a lot more playing time this year. So uh, I think uh, this position could make a lot of noise. I mean, if you go by PFF grading, the Browns have two of the best linebackers in the league here with JOK uh, on the weak side and Taki Taki on the strong side. Um, But it's going to be JOK and somebody else on the field mostly. It isn't going to be Taki Taki all the time. So who is that other person? seems like they're giving Jacob Phillips every opportunity to be that guy. Um, at least the way we've kind of gauged, uh, you know, who's technically first team, second team in these OTA practices, which again, we only, we've only seen three of them. We're only seeing them do mostly seven on seven and um, kind of walk through stuff. Uh, but he's out there and we saw that, you know, years past too. Uh, it's, you know, injury has held him back. Is this the year that he finally gets through and, and he's the guy next to GOK. Okay, there certainly would be a faster duo out there if it's Phillips and JOK in week one. Okay, Mary Kay, you are up with uh, the second pick of the final round. Well, I'm actually torn here. I'm actually <laughs> torn between, uh, as we get down to uh, the, the final round here, uh, between offensive tackles and tight end, because I think you can make a case for either spot here. Um, so, hmm, I should flip a coin, but I don't have a coin handy. <laughs> What am I going to do? I, I think I'm going to go tight end. I think I'm going to go tight end here. Um, and I only say that because Jack Conklin is going to be coming off of a really serious injury and Jed Wills needs to really prove himself and rebound from, from last season. So I think I'm going to go tight end because uh, they've given a vote of confidence to David Njoku. They've made him one of the top fa- five paid tight ends in the NFL, I think Harrison Bryant's going to step up and do some better things this year. Uh, but I think Dave is going to get the second most um, targets on the team. And I think he might actually come close to uh, my projection that he is capable of those eight touchdowns. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of talent on this team. And this is all dependent upon Deshaun Watson throwing him the ball. But um, I, think, I think he could do it. So I'm going to go tight ends here. This was my second to last ranked position group. I had them ranked one spot below wide receiver. That's how low I had wide <laughs> receiver. Um, because I think at the top, Cooper is uh, a, more of a known commodity than whatever we're going to see from David Njoku, um, who is, as much as I've talked him up, is potentially being the second receiver, quote unquote, on this team. Uh, he's still a guy who's trying to build off a season that happened three years ago, like, you know, 2018 is still the high water mark, and he's been trying to get back there with playing time, with targets, with everything. Um, and we're just, again, not really sure. We're assuming he's going to be the featured tight end, but we don't really know for sure. So I had him ranked a little lower. Um, but again, I, there's like four or five position groups. I think they're all kind of jumbled here, just a lot of question marks. Yeah, I mean, Jack Conklin's the key name here, right? If, if you think Jack Conklin is back and healthy, he can be one of the best tackles in the league. 
Um, you know, you can't really say that about anyone at the tight end position right now. Again, maybe just like receiver at the end of the year, maybe we will be saying David Njoku has, has elevated himself. For me, the sticking point with the tight ends was even though I don't think we're going to see that third tight end a bunch, you're talking about, uh, you know, Scott, Johnny Stanton, and I know you would make the case for him as a tight end, uh, mm-hmm. Miller Forstall, uh, Marcus Santos Silva. There's not a lot behind those top two. And I you know, I do think that third tight end does play a role still, even though it's not going to be 20% of the time. I, I do think having a third tight end, I do, do think factoring in the third tight end does still matter a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say too, like it was interesting last week in, in week two of OTAs when we heard from Kevin Stavansky, who basically seemed to say that third tight end spot is is a wide open battle at this point. And it's definitely interesting when you consider, like you said, Dan, how much they use 13 personnel. Like that was almost probably unimaginable for them at, at some point that that would be a question. Okay. So Scott, I think we know where you're going here. <laughs> unless you've got, yeah. unless you've got a surprise <laughs> for us. No, uh, we're going to go with tackles. Um, again, I had them a little higher than this, a couple spots higher, but it's still the same range. And Again, you have two tackles coming off uh, injuries from last season, um, and you're just not really sure. I mean, again, if, if you get the best version of them, then you're talking again about the Browns having one of the best offensive lines in football. There's still an opportunity to be that, but you just don't know. And we saw last season that James Hudson is not an immediate answer uh, at a tackle. Um, Chris Hubbard also coming back from injury, a guy who – who's had significant time there on the outside. So it's just a lot of unknowns and good players, players who performed well in the past, but um, you know, I think it'd be, you'd feel a lot better about this position group if so many guys hadn't been hurt last year. Did anyone not have defensive tackle, which would be my final pick at the bottom. Uh, so Scott goes offensive tackle. I'll take defensive tackle. Cause that's what's, what's left. Did anyone not have that position group at the bottom? Everyone did. It's yeah. just, there's too many question marks, right? Like, you know, Perry on Winfrey, who I think we're excited about, but was also a fourth round pick, could be a starter there, which is a little telling about the depth of the position. It almost seems like, you know, should they give Sheldon Richardson a little jingle? <laughs> I mean, sometimes I think about that, you know, I mean, he's not too far removed unless he's fallen a little bit off of a, a cliff. He's not too far removed from playing some really good football here. And, uh, you know, getting ready to be paid, you know, a, a pretty nice sum of money here. So I don't know. Uh, maybe they'll get through training camp and, and see how, how that plays out. But, yeah, it's uh, definitely a position of concern. I mean, they've drafted players here three straight years, and which is what you want to do because you don't want to spend big at defensive tackle. The Browns are analytically driven, and they know that this position is not one that uh, ranks very high on, on impacting wins and losses. So you get somebody, you catch kind of lightning in a bottle and you develop them and that's your guy. You're not paying him huge money. You're, you're working off the rookie deal and they haven't found that yet. <laughs> I mean, uh, Elliot might be a starter there. Might not, we don't know. Um, they've certainly gone out and got people, but they haven't really spent big there at all to bring people in. Um, just a lot of, New faces, a lot of possibilities, but it's important to note that no one ever says you can never have too many defensive tackles like they do with corners (laughs) or some other positions. It's you want to find the two guys who can play the bulk of the game there for you 
and they're struggling to do that. I, I do think, you know, I would like to see Miles Garrett play next to a good defensive tackle. I think we talk a lot about Clowney and Garrett as the bookends. I would love to see Garrett have a good defensive tackle next to him. I, I think Sheldon Richardson was close to that. And I think we saw some, some of the best of miles, not, you know, is that directly related to Sheldon? I don't know, but I do think that defensive tackle rushing next to you almost impacts an edge more than the guy across from him, because it's just this direct. And, and I've heard Chris long talk about this actually too. Like when you're rushing next to a really good defensive tackle, it can change things for you. So I, I would like to see that. That being said, you're not going to pay big money for a defensive tackle unless it's Cam Hayward or Aaron Donald or in Dominican Sue when he was at his peak um, and he's, he still played pretty well. So it's, it's just a tough balance, but yeah, you know, listen, we have open locker room again this year, Mary Kay, if for no other reason, they should, they should bring Sheldon back for that. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And could you imagine Sheldon and Perion together? I mean, oh there would gosh. be, uh, quite the synergy going on there, right? Um, <laughs> they would they would need their own separate locker room. <laughs> exactly. But I remember when, um, well, because it was only about a month ago, but when I talked to uh, Greg Newsom about Perry on Winfrey, uh, they were buddies in high school. Uh, he went on and on about how he thinks Miles might have his best season because of Perion playing on the inside. So those defenders, they do know the importance of, uh, you know, of that relationship between a good interior defender, especially one that can rush the passer uh, and the outside guys. All right, there we go. Our Browns position draft. We went cornerback, quarterback, running back, interior O-line, edge, wide receiver, safety, specialist, linebacker, tight end, tackle, defensive tackle. And of course, the disclaimer here is that is not everyone's rankings necessarily. Mm -hmm. Uh, As Mary Kay pointed out, uh, (laughs) she's going to snitch on us that we put Ed Rusher in the second round of the draft. So there's there's your your position ranking draft disclaimer uh if you're not a football insider subscriber get subscribed we've got mini camp coming up next week uh and of course training camp is inching closer and closer cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up for that you'll want to get signed up uh probably before next week but definitely before training camp and then of course make sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts for scott mary Kay, and ashley i'm dan thanks for listening everybody